Hello, welcome to our Stepping Stones Children podcast. My name is Angelina Namiba, and I work with the 4Mnet program. 4M stands for My Health, My Choice, My Child, My Rights. And it is a program working with mental mothers living with HIV across the UK and in Kenya and Uganda. I'm speaking today from London, England, and I'm delighted to welcome Fungai Murao. Fungai, please tell us what you're doing. Hello, Angelina. So good to be talking to you. So yeah, I also, I live uh, just in the south of England, so a little bit south from where Angelina is. What am I doing? I have the most wonderful job. My first biggest job that I love is being a mother to two wonderful daughters. But when they're busy at school, I'm also quite busy. I work in international development sector. And my interest, which comes very nicely with uh, Stepping Stones and the 4Mnet program that Angelina mentioned, is uh, in improving the mental health of uh, women and girls living with HIV. I also volunteer for a number of charities from the board to also doing other roles. And something that I've started doing since we had COVID this year when everything started going upside down is trying to learn French. And to do this, I've challenged my dear friend to learn too so we can support each other. And I'm very excited to be part of this podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Funga. It's lovely to be speaking with you. Um, listen, tell us a little bit about your experience of the Stepping Stone to Children program and how you've been involved with it. So I think with the Stepping Stones with Children, I, was, uh, I didn't know um, a lot about it until uh, a few years ago when I, an invitation found its, its, its way into my inbox. And then I spoke to a lady called Kate Yopenda who then introduced me again to, to Alice Wilburn. And I found myself at an event in London where the manual was launched and I met the writer, Jill Gordon, a wonderful person. And I haven't, I'm not a facilitator, so I haven't been to a workshop or been directly involved with Stepping Stones. But what I have done with Stepping Stones for Children is use it within my family. As a, a single mother and a woman living with HIV, there are some, difficult conversations that I've had to have with my daughters. And I have this unique, unique household where my, my oldest daughter is nearly 17 and the little one is seven. So what I love about Stepping Stones and what, what, um, what makes me always return to it is that it caters for different age groups. So I know that most of part one, when I look in the training manual, I can almost relate that to conversations I can have with my youngest daughter and the oldest I can relate to what I can speak to with, um, with, with, with my older one. So that's how I've been involved with stepping stones. And the one thing that I want to do more is to ensure that stepping stones with children becomes almost a go-to for every ground root, grass, grassroots community program that is dealing with children and caregivers. Okay, thank you so much, Funga. And you mentioned that uh, you kind of go to it to talk, uh, to do different things with your older child and with your younger child. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit more about maybe some of the things you've talked about with your older child? Oh, with my older child. Oh, oh my goodness. This almost, I, th I think uh, this becomes my, um, my go-to and I'm, I'm just uh, looking at, because we do so much. With my older child, um, she is disabled. So she uses a wheelchair. So sometimes she feels very, very left out. So there is a good uh, session on, on empathy that, that I love. And also there is one about, um, you know, as they're getting older and choosing sexual relationships and things like that and being safe. So that's what I tend to use with my older child. And also when I know that there's a gap in her curriculum in school, especially around um, alcohol and drugs and also talking about HIV. What is HIV? How is it transmitted? And just the human side of, of her being now a young, young woman that is preparing to go into this world. What are her rights as a child? But now what are her rights as she becomes a young woman that is going to have sexual relationship? What are her uh, sexual um, um, uh, 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 SRHR rights? Uh, rights around that that topic and I find it a good model almost uh, like a big sister that I have that almost echoes what I am discussing with her mm -hmm. so that that's what um that's what I tend to to do and and we, we like doing especially the, the mind map and uh and role play activities we almost try to do that as well so that she doesn't feel like I'm just preaching and I'm just telling her things it's things that we can actually have a, a discussion Okay, well, thank you so much. Now you mentioned something about um, talking about HIV. Um, is this something that you're able to use the manual to talk to her about in terms of when you, you decided to share your status or her status with her? So I'm, I'm more comfortable talking about me sharing my status with her. I've always said my, 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 my daughter should tell her own story when, when, it, when it comes to telling her story, but, but yes. Stepping Stones did help us bridge that, that conversation mm. ab about sharing. I was very, very afraid of telling my daughter that I not only was I living with HIV, but she was living with HIV too, because she didn't know until she was almost 10, mm. uh, because I didn't quite have the words. We nicknamed the virus, which... Um, lasted only a few few years but then I um as I was starting to gain a lot more confidence talking about HIV with my HIV with my peers with with you Angie and things like that it, it became easier for me to understand a what HIV is because I grew up in, in a time where people were dying and um HIV was was not something that was comfortable and I think I, I, I dragged that with me into into my life and almost wanted to drag it into my daughter's life as well. Mm -hmm. Until I, um, I read, actually, there's a little story in, in the manual about, um, about love, unconditional love, mm -hmm. about the fish and the father. Uh, mm -hmm. So I kind of like look, 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 at, look at that. And I remember just saying to her, I need to tell you that the virus that we named, its name is actually HIV. And she looked around and said, mom, between stepping stones, you just leave it around and between you, you know, taking medication and everything, talking to your friends, mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> and it's, and, and it's, it's almost opened, it's like deepened our bond that I can share, that I was safe in sharing my status with her. And now she's safe sharing hers 
almost resharing with me when she comes across something that she doesn't quite understand. Mm. We actually looked at, when I told her about this podcast, we looked at uh, Stepping Stones and we looked at um, relationships and even her own body organs and, and things. And she said, this is never explained to us in school properly. I'm now more equipped than my friends mm. to actually go out in the world and know that because I'm taking my ARVs, because the book says that I'm taking my ARVs and my doctor said I'm taking my ARVs, I can lead an, a very happy, healthy, normal life. And the one thing that she said that always resonates with me, mm. and I think I wanted to put this here, is that she said, Mom, never ever think that I hate you for giving me HIV. I love that we can talk about it. And I, I, I just want to sort of point out to say that it's really powerful if you tell your children the truth because then it opens a conversation. And if you use words that are not, you know, words like um, <clears throat> mother, uh, you know, um, mother-to-child mother transmission, um, though those are not words that are very kind. And my daughter gets to know that. And my daughter looks forward to when she's a mom as well. And she says she will take stepping stones with her to have these discussions with, with her children when the time comes. Oh, thank you so much, Fungai. You know, what I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast is that I'm also a um, trained facilitator of, of Stepping Stones with Children. And it's absolutely wonderful to hear how you bring it to life, because that is part of how we intend the manual to be used. And for me to hear you saying how you use it with your child and with your children is really, really heartening, you know. So thank you so much for actually bringing that to life in the way that we intended it to do. That's so, <laughs> really great. Thank you, Fungai. Um, so you mentioned um, you've talked you talked with your older child about it. And is there any maybe give us an example of how you use it with your younger child and how old she is? My younger child is a cracking seven year old. <clears throat> <laughs> She's uh, I think some people actually call her the the lion because when she roars, she 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 literally roars. Right. Um, with with her and I, we use it in again in talking about HIV. As soon as she could understand mm. word, I told her that mummy's got HIV, mm. and you you need to to understand that mummy's not dying. This is something that 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 I just have to take medication. So that was the first thing that I did did with her. How we use stepping stones together is um, we look at the tree. There's a beautiful illustration of the, the tree of life and the roots and everything. And if she's going through something that is a little bit difficult, like when she had a fallout in, within a little friendship group. Mm -hmm. So we, we talked about that and we, uh, put in all her attributes, all the things that she's good at and everything. And, and then we did a little bit of role play to say, did you think that you were a bit mean to them? Is that why they they did this, this and that. And then she said, oh, can I, can I look at stepping stones? And we look at it together. And the one thing that <clears throat> she's very, very fascinated about, she's always been fascinated about the human body. Mm. And I didn't want to name her body parts, parts that they're not. I, I, I've always thought she needed to be equipped right from the get-go about what that is. So she loves looking at the illustrations and, and, and naming them and everything. For a seven-year-old, I think it's, it's really, really powerful because then I can then say, Nobody should ever ask you to show them this part of your body, mm. really, when you're out and about. So we use, I think I use it to equip her as she becomes 
more for women as, 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 she's, as she's growing up. And we use it around, uh, she looked at one picture where there's a little girl saying to her father, I think you need to use some of the money from the harvest to send me to school and things like that. Mm. And she said, why, 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 why would she even ask? Why is she not going to school? And it, it starts a conversation that I can say parts of the world. Yeah. Not some, not a many children, some children don't go to school. So they have to negotiate. So it, it teaches me how to teach her negotiation skills. Even now, sometimes I think stepping stones are so good. She now negotiates how to get extra sweets. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's, I, honestly, it's really good to just see it, how it comes to life in everyday situations and using everyday examples. Thank you so much for that. Now, I mean, just moving it along, some people say that children need their own space and that it's best to just work on such programs with children on their own and not involve adults as well. What are your thoughts about this? I think that uh, when, I was re when, I was, when I was thinking about this, I, I, it, it really made me sad because where there's a child, there's a caregiver. It yeah. would be sad if there wasn't a caregiver because then that child will be alone in the world. Yeah. So where there's a child, there's a caregiver. And if you don't equip that caregiver with the knowledge that children, as they evolve, this is what I like, children evolve. Children will never stay just children. We all evolve. So, so it gives a safe space. It's so unique. I, I don't think I'd ever come across a manual that brings together a child and a caregiver in a safe environment where they can have discussions that sometimes are so difficult to have just one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. like in, in the household, it puts the child and the caregiver within a group of peers that are probably going through what they're going through. And how wonderful is it to make sure that A, the child doesn't feel alone, the caregiver now has a network like our beautiful 4M network, a network where they can dip in and say, this is what I'm going through with my child, vice versa. So I think there are spaces for children, absolutely, when they're playing with their little friends, yes, but a space where a child and a caregiver can come together to discuss relationships, sex, drugs, these complex things that are, that are skipped over in the classroom, I think it is a fundamental it should be the foundation of every community to just have that space so so yes i would say for for a person that says that um <clears throat> these spaces should be separated i would say try doing one exercise and then i i, I promise you'll change your mind you you'll be advocating for for it to be a space for both a uh, child and caregiver Brilliant, thank you so much. Now, just moving on, on th from that one, some people say that, you know, five to nine-year-old children are too young for such, you know, for such a program. And you've just really very well illustrated that you can work with younger children from that. Because some of the people say that you should only work with children from age 10, right? Um, I mm. mean, what would you say to someone who said to you that, no, I think, you know, you should only work with some of the older children. What would you say to them? And what are your views on that? I would say that, I mean, uh, like I say, children grow up. And, and children grow up at very different rates. Mm. A five-year-old, uh, depending on their community, depending on their circumstances, may have the mind of a 29-year-old. Mm. Or mm. a nine-year-old may not be as understanding as they should at nine. But I think it is fundamental. As soon as a child can understand words, which is about age five, proper words, mm. that they be involved in these discussions. There's a good bit in here that I think every child even below the age of five, but five is a great place to start. 
on um, children's rights. Yeah. What are their rights as a child? At what point do we sort of say these rights only can start at 10 because we are only going to work with children from 10? I would say to anybody that thinks that we're, um, by working with children below 10 is not right, I would say they need to look into their own inner person mm. and think back to when they, were, when they were a child of that age, if they can remember that decisions were made for them mm. without a discussion. Some decisions need to be made for you without discussion, but I think children should be equipped with knowing who they are from an early stage, but not only knowing who they are, knowing what their caregiver is going through. If a caregiver has got HIV and some, some days can't get out of bed, this mm. poor child won't know mm. what's going on. But thank you to, to uh, this manual, this program. They all that know, know that. Okay, you know what? Today, my caregiver is not feeling very well. Maybe they haven't taken their medicine. Should I encourage them? Should I push them? Mm. But also when they're going out and playing with their friends, when they hear misinformation about, you know, so children are children. Children can be cruel if a child says, you have AIDS, and they can say, no, do you know what? I was at the peer support group. It's HIV. <laughs> we can start telling them um, the right terminology. Get them young. Get them young with the right information. Absolutely. No, you're right. I mean, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a mother living with HIV myself, and I told my daughter about my status when she was about nine years old. Um, and it's about being like with, with, mm. the, with children information. It's about it's very age specific. And like you said, you know, sometimes we don't give our children enough credit. But, you know, some children at five, six or seven can understand a lot more information than an older child. Mm -hmm. I think as long as we make it age specific and we trust the children and we work with them and we are yes. open with them, that's what's really important because you're better off telling them the information they need and being there to answer questions and being truthful than not saying anything and then finding out elsewhere, right? I agree because once they find out on the streets, yeah. it's very difficult for you to change that narrative. Yeah, but if, if, you, if, you, if you give them the right information and give them a, a chance to you know, to breathe, to process, but know that you're there to, to then answer their, their difficult questions, then, then I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yes, we need to give our children as much information as we possibly can. Absolutely. And so um, you've told us you've worked with uh, your, your children. They're got both girls, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some people uh, uh, say that, you know, we should only be working with girls age 10 to 14 on these issues and not boys. I mean, what do you think? I wish we had a world that uh, girls live by themselves and boys live by themselves, but that's not the truth. <laughs> boys and girls have to coexist in one wonderful world. And if we are going to sit here, you and me, Angelina, and talk about uh, sexual reproductive health and rights, and we're just saying, the girl, the girl, the girl. If we exclude the, the boy, mm -hmm. then we're almost saying that we only need to protect the girls yeah but then the girls we're not telling the the boys how to protect the girls mm -hmm. so if the boys don't understand that by touching a girl in a way that she doesn't want to be touched is wrong because nobody has told them anything different then we're actually undoing all the work we're doing with the girls mm. as long as boys and girls coexist then a program need, needs to be inclusive we are then raising young boys to become good, respectful young men that know that a woman needs to be treated that way. And then they also know 
their rights as a child, as a boy child, because sometimes we take it for granted that boy children should almost be strong from the moment they're born. They should be strong, they shouldn't cry, they shouldn't have feelings, they should, you know, they should aspire to greatness, they should do this. Then we forget that boys get HIV too. Boys access um, uh, things that are harmful like drugs and alcohol, they access all that too. And boys are not very good talkers in general. So if there isn't a program where they can come and know that they feel safe, they feel secure, that it is confidential, there's a counselor if they get upset, then we're actually doing our girls an injustice by not teaching the boys, if that, if that makes sense. So I absolutely believe that it's a, this program is doing great work in, in including both girls and boys so that they learn how to coexist, um, in a, in a, in coexist well. No, totally, totally. Um, that's, I mean, you've just rounded up that really nicely. Now, just moving on, there are some people who feel that um, the, this program should be working with only with children who are living with H, who are not living with HIV, and not children who are living with HIV. I mean, do you think do this program can work with both? Good or example, aren't I? Really? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think my household is, is, is should be on the on the cover of stepping stones. <laughs> because I have got a child who's living with HIV I've got a child who's not living with HIV and mm -hmm. I am using this program for both my children mm. um it, it does help mm. both a, a child who's living with HIV and a child who's not living with HIV I don't see why we should discriminate between the two because a, HIV affects us all mm. in, in one way or the other it affects us all Especially if there is a caregiver or somebody living with HIV within the household, the homestead, then all children that are not living with HIV need to understand what that's like. Yes, I agree. But if there is a child living with HIV mm. and they're excluded from this program, then we're further discriminated against them. We're further encouraged stigma within that, 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 that community that mm. you are living with HIV, you no longer need to have access to information, which is not right. If anything, they need as equal information as possible. And this book doesn't just focus on HIV. It mm. focuses on the fundamentals of life. Mm. Mm. It, it talks about menstruation. It talks about, so it's not limited to only children, activities that happen to a child that is not living with HIV. It is, lim it is for all children. And I, I absolutely continue to say it needs to involve both. And I think it's a... It's a powerful space where you bring together a child that's not living with HIV and the child that's living with HIV for them to have a discussion. I think that's where you see power. That's where you start planting the seeds of empathy, of love, of friendship, of saying you're no different just because I take a tablet doesn't mean that you and I cannot be friends or cannot share our, our, our sandwich today. So yes, it, it needs to include all children. I, I get very very happy and emotional and everything when when i um when i when i think about that because i just look at, at my household mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and i have to say it it works for both my children great and would you one day be interested in becoming a facilitator of this program Fungi? oh my goodness i thought you'd never ask <laughs> <laughs> i would be honored to become a facilitator i think the things that drew me to this this program is like I said, it's it's community focused. That um, I think you mentioned in your in your introduction about the 4M network that is in Uganda and Kenya. 
And I bet if we were to run this program the way that it's uh, stipulated in the manual, mm. it's a very different landscape than we would run it in a church community hall in London yeah. because we have to adapt it to that community, mm-hmm. which is what I love about it. It's so it's flexible to, and it encourages us to adapt it within that community to understand the local language, to understand the local culture, the lo- local norms, which I'm, I'm very, I find very, very fascinating. And for me, as a woman who grew up um, in Zimbabwe without having the safe space to discuss little things like my, my, uh, my rights as a child, relationships, mm. I think I, have, I now have the responsibility to create as many safe spaces as I can to support children to, to live full, happy, healthy lives and also to encourage caregivers to say, look at me, let's keep going for, for, for our children, both living with HIV and those without HIV. Okay. So yes, sign me up. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, overall, you, talk, you mentioned the Foreignet program and the mental mothers, and we know that there are, of course, a lot of us women living with HIV across the globe. So if someone was, you know, whether the, if someone was thinking of using this program, um, you know, what would you say to them? If say a mother or mothers were thinking of using this program, what would you advise them? I would say, I think they need to get just to, to go for it. If they want to use it within their ha- own household, as I do, we never went to a, a, a training uh, um, place, but um, if they want to use it, they, they should use it, but they should start with things that they know are not going to be too upsetting. Don't dive too too deep. Start, start, at, start at the beginning because it gives you um, the course of what you need to do. It's very tempting to jump to the end and see what happens next, but mm. start, start gently, be kind to yourself, uh, find, use the network, especially if you're part of the 4M to get somebody you trust to uh, look after you if you get upset. But I think my take home is here is you need to go for it. You need to know that this is a manual that has been written by people that are very experienced, that have done a lot of extensive research, not only research from the computers, they went in country, they researched this, the facilitators that wrote co-authored this program are people that understand um what 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 it is to go through some of the topics that that we discussed so please go for it but be mindful of um some some upsetting topics and don't and if you started then you have to i think you have to commit Mm -hmm. because it'll be very confusing for a child um if you start if you start something and then you suddenly pull away so if you're going to do it try to commit I wouldn't even say you know you won't commit once you start you won't want to stop <laughs> it, it, honestly it just becomes a no-brainer like why, why would you want to stop it's, it's got it's got stories it's got um, uh, things to do it's um we color ours in mm-hmm. really my seven-year-old oh, that I sit and we color it in mm-hmm. so I would say find a way of including it in your day-to-day life and and go for it it, it honestly will change your life it, it's changed mine Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Fungi. And, you know, just talking a bit more about some of the practical things you did mention before earlier that um, you talked about treatment with your child um, for yourself and hers. And I just wondered, um, I would really love to know whether the program actually helped you or your child in terms of carrying on with taking your ARVs or whether you feel theirs or your general health may have improved as a, as a process of going through the program. My, uh, I think because my daughter doesn't know any different other than taking ARVs, she started when she was a baby in arms, she doesn't know any different. So in, in that case, we've never 
really use the program for ARVs. I've used it for my general well-being, mm. um, especially when it says uh, the world that we're in. And I've spoken very honestly about my mental health that sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed, but there's a really good uh, uh, discussion and activity where they say go for a walk and take in everything that you can see and then come back and draw it. Mm. And on some days, especially these days of COVID, I think I was actually having a very challenging day that day and I, I opened and I was flicking through and I, and I got to that page and I did. I went for a walk and I came back. I'm a rubbish artist, but I came back and I found that that was a very practical thing that I could do without needing uh, equipment or anything fancy. I could literally just go out and do, and do that. And another thing that's actually helped and we're talking about just last night with, with my girls mm. uh, was um, alcohol. And they sort of, uh, I've, I've never hidden from my children. If I want a glass of wine, I, I will have a glass of wine. I, it's not anything like that. And my, my youngest was very much like, why do adults drink alcohol? Um, and, and then I actually pulled it out. Mm. And I said, we, we drink out, you know, for, for these reasons. And these are the bad reasons. And she's actually told me, mommy, I think you should stop your glass of wine because you can save money. Because she learned it from there. Mm. She learned it from the book. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's what I would say that there are a lot of things that I can, that I can draw f- f- from it mm. that, that, that have helped, that have helped me in my general well-being. I think maybe because as well, my, my, because my daughter has got a little network of her peers. So they tend to support each other in taking their ARVs, but I think I might rec- recommend them to start looking at stepping stones as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, um, why do you think that other women living with HIV or who are affected or other carers around the world who have children in their care be interested in becoming participants in the program? Why? Mm. Because it gives you a sense of community. Mm-hmm. It erases the sometimes this little thing that runs in your mind that says you are all alone. You're the only caregiver in the world that is uh, either living with HIV that has a child that, that's looking after a child with HIV. So it, firstly, it gives you that sense of community. Mm. It gives you the right information. You have a place where you can get the right information. Mm. It gives you, it opens a relationship deeper than a normal relationship between caregiver and child. Mm. because you now have I, almost icebreaker tools to start a conversation, mm. especially where sometimes the, the topic is, is not normally an easy one to talk about, like sex, if it's not an easy thing to talk about in the household. But mm. if you can then refer to say, hey, remember when we went to the training, they talked about this, that's an icebreaker. Mm. So I, I would... Uh, if there is a stepping stones, I would encourage people to, you know, to enroll and, 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 and do it and, and not just do it for the, for the duration, but do it for, for everyday life. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, it, at the moment, it's just, it's two of us talking and we're both women, we're mothers. Yeah. But we also know that caregivers can also be men um, yes. in many families. I mean, do you think it's important how important do you think it is that we also involve men within the program? I think it is very important because if it is, if if the caregiver is a man or if there is a man involved within that household, it is also essential for them to know what 
what's been discussed. And if they now also have the first-hand information, they can, like I said, I think we, we talked about it, that men and boys are not very good at sharing, <laughs> sharing what they're thinking, what they're feeling, or, or even giving each other advice on, um, oh, my child did, did this today, you know? But I think if, if one man can stand up and say, hey, my child did this, and I, I learned how to, to, you know, how to help them through that little thing by going to the Stepping Stones program, Mm -hmm. then it'll encourage a lot more households where there's a man involved to do that. So absolutely, we should target men just as much as we target um, women caregivers to be involved in, in, in the program. And Funky, so just bringing us back to the current situation, uh, we have seen um, that there's been an increase in terms of violence, both against partners as well as um, women against children. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about that and also how you feel that um, the Stepping Stones with Children program could fit into that or how it could address those issues? It's, this one is a very, it's a difficult one for me to talk about, but it's one that I always like to be asked because this is a conversation that we don't normally have I was raised in a family where discipline was was physical so it was either uh from my caregiver it was either the belt a stick their hand whatever they they got hold of and sometimes I didn't even know what I'd done wrong because there was no discussion there was no there was nothing and even after that that hiding as we used to call it after that hiding nobody sat me down to explain to me why and it I grew up thinking that it's almost okay to get beaten up um, whenever that caregiver either felt they needed to or wanted to and it's something that I I think it was one of the reasons that I had told myself that I'm not going to become a parent because I didn't think I wanted to beat up my children. I, 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 and I thought that was almost something that you needed to do to be a parent. But through counseling and other interventions, I realized that it wasn't my fault and that it, it wasn't right really. And I can honestly say that I have managed to break the cycle because I've never laid a finger on, on my children. And it was something that I was always, and still am afraid of, of. And I, um, I find it difficult when other parents or caregivers choose to use that form of discipline on their children because I almost feel I'm not empowered it takes me back to a place that I don't want to think about. So I think Stepping Stones almost creates, again, this, this openness about, about talking. Had I been exposed to a program where I can ask my caregiver, what did I do wrong and not fear being beaten again, then I think I wouldn't have hesitated not for a moment to become a mom. And I see it within the community that I volunteer um, through our community of women with HIV, a lot of women who experience gender-based violence are almost repeating the pattern that they will date somebody that is bound 
to not treat them very well. And there needs to be the space that Stepping Stones creates to say it's not your fault. And it comes back again to words like mother to child transmission of HIV. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Thank you very much for, for that really, really open um, and honest um, answer. Thank you. You're welcome. So now, Angelina, I have a question for you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am very, because I'm not, I'm not trained. I have not been uh, trained as a facilitator of this wonderful program. Can you share with, uh, with me how, what your experiences were when you went through the, the training to become a facilitator? Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm actually based in London, but I was very, very lucky to have the opportunity to attend the Stepping Stones Children Training Program in Tanzania. Um, the good thing about that was that the other um, trainees or uh, participants of the training were also from Kenya, from Tanzania, from Uganda, from East Africa. And we did the training both in English and in Swahili which was great, great for me to be able to um, go back to my mother country's language. Um, but what the training did, apart from me um, coming into contact with other trainers from other countries, but also who are also caregivers, many of whom are also caregivers, it just made me appreciate how important it is to deliver the program within those settings. Um, mm -hmm because um, maybe appreciate the different the economic situations, the mm. cultural norms that um, it's delivered within. And so you have parents who are working with children in diff slightly different conditions to where I'm from and where I live. However, um, Stepping Stone is ideal in that it bridges that gap. It works well within the different settings. For me, it was really, really good because I'm, I am a trainer by profession, but being trained was really, really good because it meant that I could put myself into the shoes of a different carer and to understand how I can then be able to translate that training into action. And it was good, what I, what I mentioned earlier, the fact that you're able to bring it to life. When we were doing the training, we also took on the roles of the different age groups. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so they took you back to being five? Being five to being nine, to being uh, teenagers <laughs> as well. Because it is important to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of the young children as mm -hmm. much as we can and to see how we would work with them. So it was really, um, it was a really enriching program for me, both personally and professionally. And I mean, apart from that, the setting that we did the training in, it was close, it was safe. What you had to do was focus on the two weeks that we did the, the training, you focus on the training. It was hard work uh, because it is a manual that you have to go through different programs. Mm -hmm. You have to be really committed. But at the end of it, it's a great learning. I mean, I can't really put it into words, but I really appreciated it. And I would absolutely recommend it to anybody who was thinking about being a facilitator to actually take part in the program. Oh, thank you very much, Angelina. We'll get a lot more facilitators yet. Thanks, Fungi. Now, just moving on, looking at uh, looking out wider, um, and, and you've spoken absolutely wonderfully about it and the reason why it is so important to have this program. So why do you think donors should fund this program? Because it's an amazing program. <laughs> <laughs> donors should fund this, this program because it is very, very 
unique. It is a wonderful program. It is unique in that it touches a lot of things that are now being segmented in different into different little parts of programming that are siloed, that they don't come together. You lose that whole person-centered approach if you are not funding a program that has got all the ingredients in one bowl. It's like making a cake without two or three of the ingredients. With Stepping Stones, it needs to be funded because it is the whole cake for, for a child and a caregiver. It is the entire cake. It, it looks at day-to-day living. It looks at discussing the hard things. It looks at going to school. It looks at all the elements that makes a human being from a child. Nothing is siloed. They, they come to a Stepping Stones program and you learn pretty much everything you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And then if you need more, you now have the terminology. A, a child will now know their, 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 uh, their rights as a child. They'll now know things that they will never know if they're going to a specific program that is siloed, if donors keep just funding, say, treatment without prevention and this and that and that. You silo, you, you exclude other people, whereas this program includes everyone. So I think that's why donors should fund it. And if there's a donor listening, please reach out your contribution will go a long way and it just doesn't stop by the day that you close the classroom or the the training facility it will go on because of the way that the program is is created thank you so much fungai thank you so much and i hope funders listening please 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 heed fungai's call now bringing it back to the children why do you think it's so important that this program is called stepping stones with children rather than stepping stones for children I'm, I'm a good, uh, I, I, love, I love those words for, with, because I think the, the word with, it means that it's a co-production. We're doing it together. It's not stepping stones for children where we're going to say, okay, your next step is, is here, whether you like it or not, if it's for, it's almost like we're prescribing rather than like what you and I are doing. Mm-hmm. We're having a discussion. We're having a, a, a conversation. It's, it's two way. It's not you saying to me, Fungi, do this, do this, do that. You know what I mean? You didn't send me a script to say, this is what you're going to read because this is, I'm having a conversation for you. <laughs> no, it's, um, it has to be with so that, and it also is about taking ownership. If a child knows that they have to be attentive, mm-hmm. be present, mm-hmm. uh, physically, mentally, everything, emotionally, they will appreciate it more. They will take a lot more ownership. They will be a lot more interested and they'll be a lot more engaged. And it will, they won't feel like a caregiver is talking at them. It's they're talking with them. So I, I absolutely love, I don't know how long it took. I, I hope it was a no brainer uh, when, when the topic was being discussed that it needs to be with children, not for children. Hey, thank you so much, Funga. It's been an absolute delight speaking to you. But before we wind down the session, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think we, we've, we've pretty much covered, covered it all, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a fantastic conversation. Well, thank you so much. It's been a delight speaking to you. And hopefully we'll talk again in another time in the future. Thank that you. sounds amazing. Thank, thank you. you, Angelina.